0: Welcome to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Steve. Thank you for joining me. Everybody, welcome to this final episode in the Advent 2020 series. And this is going to just be a simple wrap up, hopefully of uh, some of the ground that we've covered so far. I hope that you have enjoyed the other episodes. Um, if not, I would suggest go and check them out. You'll find them on this channel. Two really awesome conversations with some guests. Um, and I've got a solo session in which I unpack this parable of the Good Samaritan, which for me is the central vehicle to this mini-series. Uh, we've been exploring the idea of what does it mean for us to be more neighborly, Um, How can we take on a position of being a neighbor um, towards others? And so really the reason for this short episode, uh, and I trust it's going to be a short episode now at the end, is to try and just wrap things up. and, And I find that I land back when I wrap up. I'm landing back on the person of Jesus. And for me, it's inescapable. And so I need to just spend a little bit of time just landing here on the person of Jesus and just trying to put things back together um, and to, to sort of to close things off, to round things off within the person of Jesus. Now, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work over this year and bundling around the whole Christian religion and some of my upbringing, and some of my experiences, etc. And, you know, I've discovered that I I could easily leave the Christian religion. And in fact, I, I could have left the Christian religion a long time ago. I could have left Christianity, were it not for the person of Jesus. I find that I'm irresistibly drawn to the personhood of Jesus. And that for that reason, it's difficult for me to disentangle myself from christianity now what i mean by that is not i'm not so much i'm not so much drawn to the person the historical person of jesus right there's something there and there's definitely something in the christian scriptures um you know and i'm drawn to them as well and it's hard for me to disentangle myself from them but what i'm really talking about is that I have a present tense, a current connection with the personhood of Jesus. And, and that's one way to describe a connection with the divine, with God. And it's something that I'm not able to get away from. And believe me, sometimes I've tried, actually, just through some of my journey. But it's it's been impossible, and... And in, <clears throat> I guess in some ways that requires a little bit of unpacking because it sounds almost as though I'm trapped. And yet, my experience is not that I'm trapped. My experience is that I'm in a dynamic and current relationship with the divine. And one of the descriptors to that for me is the personhood of Jesus, as Jesus uncovers and displays the divine. And so I, I'm not trapped, but I'm bound. You know, it's, it's so hard to find language for this. I'm free to leave, but I'm not. I'm compelled to stay. I'm connected with the divine in a way that is <clears throat> so far for me hard to disentangle. Sorry, forgive my voice. It's very, very early in the morning. Hopefully before there are too much other n- noises. And that's the easiest times for me to record to... Uh, to speak with you guys. So I've got my uh, sexy voice on. Forgive me. <clears throat> anyway. And so I find myself I land back at 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 Jesus and 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 the reason I'm trying to unbundle this a little unpack this a little bit for you is is that it can sound really it can sound really conservative. <laughs> this language, you know. I have to land at Jesus. Jesus is the center. Um and I, I'm not always certain that I'm using that language anymore. I'm I'm not stuck in the the evangelical camp of just how miserable and useless we are and without Jesus we haven't got a hope and the rescue situation, etc. I'm not there anymore. And yet the language sounds the same, doesn't it? Because I'm I'm stuck on Jesus. Jesus is the center to quote one of the well known old school evangelical songs. And so it's quite complex and quite nuanced for me, and yet there is this language that I'm just stuck with and I'm still looking for new language that actually I just keep landing back at Jesus. I keep coming back to kind of the author of this parable that we've been looking into that for me the the linchpin of these two stories that we looked at this this person of Jesus. And so I wanted to just talk a little bit about that because for me, Advent, as I look at Advent, what's central for me in the whole season of Advent as we move up towards Christmas is celebrating Jesus, celebrating the full expression of the divine as it came to be close to us. Literally, as it took up residence next door to us, as it became our neighbor. And so that's really been you know, for me is the instigating factor here in this whole season, uh, in this whole series rather, these, these episodes that I've done, in the whole question of, of how can we be better humans towards each other? How do we behave better, believe better, hope better, imagine better? Not just for ourselves now, you know, I'm, I'm wondering about my kids one day, what are they going to get in this world? What are they going to be faced with? how can they also embrace being more neighborly and how can they experience neighborliness from others and it's just so bound up for me in the person who tells this parable and that for me is then the expression of this season of advent you know so i've i've mentioned advent before the whole word the etymology of the word is it It actually comes from two Latin words and it means um, uh, to come to, you know, essentially, if if you're going to just literally translate it, ad venira, to come, venira, ad to, or to come towards. Um, And so it's it's become understood as this whole idea of arriving or arrival. And there's this waiting, this anticipation in this word. Look, What is going to arrive? What is coming? What is this thing that's drawing close to us? And so that is it. That's the question. What is this thing that's drawing close to us? What is it that we're going to receive on the 25th of December on Christmas Day? Now, I'm sure I mentioned in the, uh, in the solo episode that I did when we looked at the text, I'm not bound up in uh, is Jesus, was Jesus' birthday the historical Jesus on the 25th of December or not? I mean, who the hell cares, actually? Um, these are non issues that cloud the real issue. For me, when we reach that day and we we do this ritual enactment of this receiving, the question is, what are we receiving? And the question is, how are we receiving it? And what on earth is it going to do to us, for us, around us, within us? And I think that's what's really grabbed me by this parable, is this invitation to be drawn into something where things can happen to us, around us. Uh, we can be drawn into to being part of that happening. You know, we can be part of this. We can be drawn into the work that God is doing. The Samaritan is drawn into the work that God is doing in helping that person on the street. And the priests and the Levite are rejecting that invitation. And so I wanted just to share... Just a couple of thoughts around this, this person, Jesus, this thing that we're waiting to, to, to receive. And, um, and then we'll wrap it up and that'll be it. Okay, so here goes. So the reason I, I sort of first landed on this mini-series, this Advent theme was just observing myself and others in how we do and do not behave in a neighborly fashion towards each other, right? I've been working with families throughout this year um, who are battling to do that. I encounter individuals often who battle to do that. I think in our public discourse, we battle to do that online, we battle to do that. I know I battle to do that. I battle to take the position of being a neighbor. It's far easier for me to to want to exclude people, and to to want to punish people, and change people, and all that sort of stuff. Um, It's so much easier for me to be the priest and Levite and pass people by. Um, And so it's not that I want to start with the kind of, you know, the classical conservative Christian doctrine of let's have a problem statement, and then let's see how God comes to fix us, because we're so useless. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just that I could see that there's something up, there's something up. And I felt we needed to be open to the invitations of doing things differently. Um, and so, as I looked at this passage, and as I look at the invitation to encounter it as a mirror in narrative, and to look and see who I might see myself in, you know, and I think the lawyer is confronted with that by Jesus to look into the passage and see who he might see himself as and who he might imagine himself to be, the question emerged for me is, who does Jesus see himself as in this passage, in this parable? And I think he would see himself as the Samaritan. I think knowing himself, he would identify with the one who draws near, the one who behaves with compassion and mercy towards those who need it. And I think we all need it. And I think that's part of the incarnation for me. I think that's that's part of what draws me to to Jesus, you know, the historical and then the Jesus that I continue to know. Is that's just part of his DNA. He's the one who draws near. This is the God that draws near. This is the God that interrupts life and comes close and expresses this desire to cohabit and to be within and around and involved. Um, you know, and it's not like some poor uncle who uh, you barely ever see and then they're like, oh, I'm just so desperate to get a little bit of time with you. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, there is this this flow within this energy, which is the divine, that is constantly positioned towards us and around us. Um, and not just each of us as individuals. I'm not into the whole individualistic, like, oh, Jesus is just about me and screw everyone else. It's, it's, a, it's a me and it's an us, a plural. And there's a dynamic flow going on there. And I think that Jesus would see himself as the Samaritan doing this action, right? But part of the reason that that's, that's upsetting for me, if I'm very honest, is I'm not so comfortable with him being the, the Samaritan. I'd far rather that he was the... Um, the priest or the Levite, not in how they act in the story, but I'd far rather that he looked a lot more like my in-group, sounded like me, looked like me. You know, I was, uh, in some ways, even though it was really within the subtext of of the way I was brought up, I was brought up with the Swedish Jesus, the blonde hair, (laughs) blue-eyed, six foot tall, you know, milky white skin. Uh, Those were the, the kiddies sort of Christian books I was exposed to was uh, White Jesus the Shepherd with his long white dress, uh, sometimes a blue sash. He looked like he just won a beauty pageant. Um, and and that was my Jesus, you know, like long flowing white person's hair and he behaved like a white person and he looked like a white person. And in the movies that I saw of Jesus, he even spoke like a white person. He didn't have a Middle Eastern accent. He didn't sound like a Jewish person. Um, you know, he didn't sound like an Arab. He didn't sound like a black person. I had White Jesus, uh, I was having a conversation with the other day <laughs> with someone who's deconstructing and they kept talking about white Jesus. And I just thought, wow, that, that really confronts me. That's great. That's really good. Um, and so if Jesus is like the Samaritan and I'm following the, the, you know, the, the line of the story, then Jesus is going to surprise the hell out of me. <laughs> I'm going to look down the road and I'm going to hope that the next thing coming along to help me out, if I'm that person sort of broken on the side of the road, I'm going to be looking up and going, oh, no, not him, <laughs> not that person, not her. They're too different to me. I, I can't accept that. That's, that's, that's not how God should present to me. And it, it arrests me. I mean, it grabs my attention and it makes me go, oh, good God, what if Jesus is the Samaritan? You know, so so, what if Jesus is this guy that I'm arguing with online <laughs> on Facebook What if Jesus is the woman that I cut off in traffic? What if Jesus is, oh, jeepers, the person who won't wear their mask right now in public? That really gets up my nose at the moment within this pandemic. And we can just keep going on and on and on, right? So I'm not, maybe some of you are hearing something that I'm not saying, so let me just quickly unpack this. I'm not saying that uh, the auntie that I meet in traffic is the divine person? If that's you know, if that if that holds you up and trips you up, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that the divine meets us in ways that is probably going to be surprising and off-putting. I mean, you just go and read through, go read through Genesis, and have a look at how the divine encounters people. Uh, it's it's surprising and it's off, off-putting. And I think if you've been reading the Bible and you're not surprised, I think you're reading it with a very sanitized mindset. And I think if you're interacting with God in the present tense now, if you're praying and if God is speaking to you and you're hearing from God and you're interacting with God and there's nothing that surprises you, then you've got to investigate the theme of whether you've just created an idea of God that is very comfortable for you. Because this is not comfortable, the Samaritan figure. It's just not. And I think we have to be surprised by Jesus, by how God manifests God's self around us and among us. And that for me is one of the takeaways, I think, as we look towards the Christmas season. How does Jesus draw close to us in Advent and in Christmas? How does the divine manifest itself in this world initially? And so if I jump from this parable of the Samaritan across to the idea of Christmas, The divine manifests itself in a helpless baby, in humility, in vulnerability. And that should really throw us. (laughs) That should really, really throw us. You know, it's not this triumphal entry, Jesus on a white horse with a sword and, hey, I'm coming back to beat the snot out of anyone you don't like. You know, I forget who it was. I'd have to look it up. But some great theologian said, you know, God made man in his image and man repaid the favor. And so we like to imagine God is like us and is only like us and is only fitting our identity and our DNA. And then God comes into this world as this little baby, born to an irresponsible teenager. <laughs> you know, this young girl. I mean, if, if she was around today, we'd be going, what, what do you mean you're pregnant? You're grade nine. Are you stupid? What did you do? You know, and the God of the universe, this divine energy manifests itself in this tiny little baby. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Do you think Jesus ever sharted as a baby? (laughs) In our family, when kids have a really bad nappy, we call it a punami. (laughs) Some of our friends as well. Like, Do you think that ever happened? Do you think Mary ever went like, "Oh goodness me, what the hell have you done? Like it's everywhere it's on everything I own. How about that for a picture of the divine? How about this for a picture of a div- of the divine Jesus learning to walk and falling over, or is your picture of God that God is so perfect and so holy and so untouchable that Jesus just got up one day and walked? Maybe he said to himself, "Jesus, pick up your mat and walk." <laughs> No ways, man. We have got to be absolutely confronted by this vulnerable God. Richard Rohr says, you know, we're all forever praying. And he's talking about in kind of the Catholic uh, sort of church and that sort of uh, traditional church setup. Almighty God, Almighty God. And I grew up as an Anglican, and so I'm well-versed in these Almighty God prayers. And he says, what if we were to pray, O oh, vulnerable God because Jesus is vulnerable as a baby. I mean let's let's not even begin to look at the way he behaved as an adult and what led to his crucifixion and the vulnerability of God there just in Christmas this little baby slides into our neighborhood like relatively unannounced, unimportant in a backwater in the middle of nowhere. There's no fanfare, there's no parade, you know, we don't stop all the clocks and you can miss this. You can miss this. And we can miss it in the Samaritan. And we can just go, no, no, no. That's, that's not how God would come to me. That can't be God. But you can't limit God like that. You can't tell God who God is. You can't tell God who to love. That includes you. That includes me. All we can do is accept this invitation to be wound up in this story. To be wound up in our own story and the great story that has been going on for millions and billions of years. And will still be going on, I hope, for a long, long time still. I was, um, I was reading through the second chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. It's known as the Philippians letter in the New Testament. If you're unfamiliar with it, you'll find it in the last third of the Bible. It's after the Gospels. Um, and it's in there amongst Paul's letter. And in this chapter, he writes, the NIV has it uh, titled as Imitating Christ's Humility. Because if I have to ask myself the question, what are the ways that God has come into this world? One of them is through absolute humility. And it's this, it's this idea in the Greek they call kenosis, this outpouring. But I'm going to read a couple of verses to you and, and just maybe this will strike you as it struck me. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it starts like this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, that's Paul speaking, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. We could stop there, right? I mean, that's that's what's going on in this parable. <clears throat> if you have any comfort in God's love and the common sharing in the spirit, if you have any tenderness, if you have any compassion, if there's any encouragement of this idea of being united with the divine, then we can do nothing out of selfish, ambition or vain conceit. We can, we can move beyond the priest and Levite existence. We can break that paradigm. We can deconstruct away from that. We can imagine something better. We can accept the invitation into the story. We can be humble and we can value others above ourselves. And we can look not just to our own interests, but to the interests of others. We could stop there right but but Paul goes on and I think it's really important because for me that's partly why this just seats itself completely in the personhood of Jesus in the divine as revealed in Jesus so in your relationships with another with one another Paul goes on have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He poured himself out. He emptied himself. This is the language of kenosis, the pouring out. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And then he goes on. And that for me really is the crux here, I think. I think it's the... I believe, I trust, I I, I have... I have this spoken to me in the center of my being. That this is the crux of the matter. As Jesus has those two commandments highlighted to him, and as he highlights them in the other two Gospels, Matthew and Mark. Love God with everything that you have. Be connected deeply with God. Accept this invitation to be connected with the divine to know what it is to relate to God, not just to know things about God, not to have a rel- a rational connection with God where you just understand things, but to know and to be known by God. That is this love. That is the, the Jewish idiom of knowing in Genesis where Adam knew Eve and that story in the creation and then she had, she fell pregnant. It is the Jewish sexual idiom To know and be known, to be revealed to one another, to be intimate, to be closely connected. It's the first commandment. And from that flows, well then you would love yourself and you would love others. And as I said in the teaching, you can look at it the other way around. If I love myself and if I love others, that is an expression of God's love and participating with God in God's love. And there is this flow and that's the invitation. That's the invitation to be like jesus not just because he's a great role model and you can just kind of follow this but it is to be intimately connected with the divine and i think that's one of the things on the table at christmas i think that's one of the things we're waiting for is to be surprised by this god who slides into our world who comes and sets up shop next to us who is surprising Perhaps, because maybe next to you um, is a Muslim neighbor and, and maybe you're not so sure about the Muslims and maybe they scare you and maybe you don't know where you stand. But maybe you need to open your eyes and go and engage with that person in a different way and draw close to them. And perhaps you will just fall off your chair in experiencing God drawing close to you. Or maybe you have a gay neighbor And you're scared off by that. And you need to go and engage and go and relate with that person. Or maybe you have a disabled neighbor, or maybe you have a black neighbor, or a white neighbor, or maybe you have a difficult neighbor, or an angry neighbor, or a thief as a neighbor who steals things from your garden, or... I don't know. Maybe you live next door to a politician. (laughs) That for me would be one of the worst. I've got lots of expressions of humanity that I battle with. Maybe I live next door to a deeply, deeply conservative religious person. I would battle to draw near to that person. And I must not be surprised when the divine manifests there and I meet Jesus somewhere in that person. And so that's, I think I'll close there. I think there's an invitation for us. There's an invitation to look at how we are. And to be drawn into the story of God who is our neighbor. Jesus is our neighbor, the one who draws close, that empties himself and doesn't just go, oh, well, screw you guys. Sorry for you. Uh, You can just stay where you're at. I don't care. But God draws close. And in that, as we participate, we can draw close to ourselves and to others. And we can have a very different impact on this world if we can only accept that invitation. If we can believe and trust and hope if we can be connected with the divine, then I think that we'll start to see things changing around here. And I want to be a part of that. And I would hope that you would want to be a part of that. And so I think it's just left to me now to say thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this series helpful. I've hope, I hope you actually find it challenging and provocative. It's challenged me. It's been difficult for me at times. Um, I'd love to hear from you love to hear your thoughts in return. Um, Come and let's debate, let's argue, let's agree, let's pray, let's celebrate, let's laugh, let's cry. I just want to, I want to engage with you as my neighbor and I want to be a neighbor to you. I want to be neighbored by you. Uh, I want to participate together in, in being neighbored by God and getting to know God further and further. So thank you for your time. Go and live and love deeply. Go and be impacted by the nature and the life of the divine. Go and be impacted by the life and the nature of those around you. And go and be something that is of goodness and light and peace and justice and hope in this world. Bless you. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful December. Hope you're getting some rest. Uh, Just remember the new year is not necessarily going to change everything for us. We still have a road ahead of ourselves globally as we face what we faced in 2020. Um, But I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think there's really hope out there. So let's just uh, be patient and uh, keep going. You can do this. I hope you get some good rest. Um, Thank you for those who've listened throughout this year. It's been an interesting ride. God bless you, ciao.